Good morning, Lakeview Church. It is good to be with you today and so excited to share God's word with you. Last night we ordered pizza at our house. It's a good thing to do before the hockey playoffs come on. And so uh, we ordered some pizza last night and the the delivery person brought the pizza to the door and uh, they had the receipt tucked into the edge of the box. And I took the box from them and went back to the kitchen and said, Guys, I've done, I'm done cooking dinner, um, and so everybody came to get their food, but I pulled the receipt out of the edge of the box, and as I did, there was a card tucked into the edge of the box. I thought that was interesting, so uh, I, I looked at the card, and the card, it was just like a business card size, and it, it just said, you rock, which is a good message, I think, for anybody to receive from anyone, right? You rock. And then I read the the little tagline underneath of it, and this is what it said, thanks for making a difference. And as I, I looked at that card last night, I thought to myself, I wish we had time before church this morning to print one of those cards for everybody in this church, because you rock, Because you together as a church are making a difference. This is one of the things we believe God has called us together for at this time, in this place, in this hour to make a difference in Marion, in Grant County, and literally throughout the world. This is our calling as a church. We're an everyday church for everyday people, and we are committed to following Jesus, living generously, and making a difference every single day. And you're doing that. The way that you give money, the way that you support missionaries around the world, the way that you intercede for the work of God in our community and around the world, the way that you live like Jesus in your daily lives, the way that you open your mouths and testify about who God is and about what God has done for you, and the way that you invite people, not just to church, but the way that you invite people to follow Jesus, you are making a difference. And I just want you to know today, you rock. Dave Noel, you rock. You rock, Dave Noel. Amen, amen. I like it when Dave reads scripture, nothing against Zoe, but we always have Dave do exciting things because he rocks when he reads scripture, right? You guys are an awesome, awesome church. And I just want to tell you how honored I am that I get to walk alongside of this congregation at this time in this season because I believe God is doing something special among us. And I believe God wants to do something special through us. And we're, we're gonna give ourselves to that work because we wanna see God's mission go forward, amen? We're starting a new series today, and it's just a two-part series that we're calling The Sending God. And this series is really about our global engagement commitment as a church, One of the things that's always, always, always been true of Lakeview Church from its inception is that we have always been committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. That has always been true about our church and it will always be true about our church or I will be gone. 
right? If we stop saying the gospel matters most, then I'm out of here, right? Because that is part of our history. It's part of our heritage and it is our mission. And we believe that the gospel is intended to be proclaimed in our city, in our county and around the world, right? Until everyone hears and until everyone knows our mission is not done. We don't ever get to come to a place in the life of our church where we say, we have enough people in our church, let's just be comfortable. Because it's actually not about how many people are in our church, it is about how many people in our city and in our county do not know Jesus. And as long as there is one person who doesn't know Jesus, we have work to do. And right now we live in a county where 42,000 people don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we have a lot of work to do. And we're going to keep doing that work. But we recognize that God's work isn't just about here. That's never been the way God intended his church to function, to just be in a location and only care about the place where you live. We need to care about it because we are here. And that's why God has placed us here to care about our city and our county. But the reality is, is that the church is called to care about from this place, from here to everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. So we are a church because we believe in proclaiming the gospel that we believe we are called to be committed to and engaged in the global mission of God. You say, what does that mean? Well, it means that we as a congregation are called to pray for the mission of God here and in our state and in our country and in other places in the world. It means that we're called to take the financial resources that we've been blessed with and we're called to live generously with those resources, right? Because God doesn't give us stuff just for us. He gives it to us so that we can share it with others. And one of the ways that we do that is by investing in projects and in organizations and in people who will take the gospel to the ends of the earth. There are places in this world where you and I might not ever place our feet on the soil there, but there are others who will go there and we can help send them with our prayers and with our financial resources. This is what we're called to be about as the church. Not only are we called to pray and give our money, but we're called to go. That's why last week we had prayers for two young ladies who were going on a missions trip this summer and they will be serving in their respective fields for the next eight or nine weeks, serving God there. And by the way, both of them arrived safely and their parents said, amen. They're there, they're getting adjusted, they're overcoming the jet lag, all of that fun stuff so that they can hit the ground running this next week in the ministry that God has given them. We send people on those kind of trips because we want them to go and see the global mission of God. And then we want them to come back and inspire us with what God taught them while they were there. And we believe that while some of those people are on those short-term trip, that God is actually gonna stir their hearts and say, this is what I want you to do with your life. And those people will respond to that call and they will go and they'll serve God in a foreign place so the gospel can go there too. You see, we believe that as a church, we are called not just to do what we do in this room on a Sunday morning, but we are called to be a sending station for the kingdom of God. 
As I was praying this morning, I was thinking about uh, an epicenter. Do you know what that is? It's like the center of the earthquake. Right? And, and, and when that earthquake happens at that point, that specific location, it sends out shock waves from that center location. And as I was praying this morning, I was praying for Lakeview to be an epicenter of an earthquake of God's spirit moving in our world. What if God would just shake this church to its core and that the power of that shaking would send shockwaves of mission through Marion and Grant County, throughout Indiana and the United States and even into other nations of our world. This is what we are called to. And so for the next couple of weeks, this Sunday and next Sunday, I wanna just talk to you about the fact that God is a sending God. And that if we are serious about being in step and in tune and in line with him, that we will become a sending church for the glory of God. Now that, that I just gave you is not the message for today. It is not even really the introduction. I just felt like I should share that with you. So now the clock can start wherever the clock's at. So... This message series, this two-part message series, is a message that God gave me during 21 days of prayer this past January. I don't often get up in front and say, this is a message God gave me. I, I really do try to study the word and listen to his voice every single week. And I, when I get in front of you to preach, I believe that I'm sharing God's word with you. But during 21 days of prayer this last January, and for those of you maybe who are new or not familiar with what we do, uh, we believe in praying all year long. But there are two times in the year where we give ourselves to focused and fervent prayer. We do that every August and every January. So we've got another set of 21 days of prayer coming up this August, and you'll be invited to join with us as we give ourselves to that focused and fervent prayer during that season. But in January this last year, during 21 days of prayer, I was here in the sanctuary praying. I do that almost every morning, whether we're in 21 days of prayer or not. But in 21 days of prayer, I show up at the sanctuary around 5 a.m. And I begin praying for our church and get things ready for the prayer service we have every day during 21 days of prayer at 6 a.m. Some of you, I know, you didn't know six came twice a day, but it does, I promise. And, and we gather here in this room at 6 a.m. and we pray and we seek the Lord. It's a beautiful, beautiful time. It's a sweet, sweet spirit. And, and for those of you who have been a part of it, whether you were here during the week or maybe some of our Saturday services, you'll know that uh, I like to walk around when I pray. So uh, there is not a pew in this sanctuary that isn't touched almost every single day of the week as I pray for you and for our church and for our community. I was in here this morning praying for you and for this service today. During 21 days of prayer, I was walking around, I was praying, and I was, I was right back there where John and Shirley Mattern are, the, the amen corner back there. And it was one of the very first days of 21 days of prayer, and as I was praying, the Lord gave me a picture in my mind, and it was a clear, clear picture. It wasn't a picture that I just 
came up with. It was a picture that really came out of scripture. There was a passage in my mind as I was praying. I just felt like the Lord said, this passage, this picture. And for the next 21 days, I, every time I went to prayer, that picture and that passage came to mind. I prayed for almost nothing else during 21 days of prayer than that passage and this picture. And I didn't know what that picture was for or what it was about, but I knew it was from the Lord, and I just kept praying about it. I went back to my office one morning after 21 days of prayer, and I just started writing what I was seeing, trying to describe the picture that I believe the Lord was giving me. And I thought that this was just a picture for Lakeview, that this is what we were called to. But, but as I have prayed more and more, what I realize is that this is a picture for the church of which Lakeview is a part. And what I'm going to share with you this morning is the first part of that picture. And next week, I'll share the other two parts of that picture. But the first part of that picture really comes from this story that's found in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to really dig into this passage much more next week. But, but in this passage, the passage begins with Isaiah seeing the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And, and, and as I was thinking about that passage and praying during 21 days of prayer, I felt like the Lord said to me what the church needs, particularly in North America, but literally around the world, what the church needs in this day and in this time more than anything else is a fresh encounter with God. That the church today needs to see the Lord not that we have never seen him before, not that we don't know who he is, not that we don't have an understanding of God, but, but we need to see him in a fresh new way in our day and in our time. And here's why we need that. Because if we want to make an impact for God, we need a fresh encounter with God. And this is, this is the message that I really felt the Lord was saying to us as a local congregation, that if we want to make an impact for God in our day, if we want to be faithful to what God is asking us to do, we must have an encounter with God first, because encounter always comes before impact. Encounter always comes before impact. I think there are times when we go out as a church and we give ourselves to good works and good ideas and, and good projects and good things, and there's nothing wrong with that, except sometimes we think that our good works are gonna change the world. And what I wanna let you know is that as good as our works might be, it is only God who can change the world. There is not enough good that you and I can do. There are not enough problems that we could fix in our world that if we fix them all, that would save the world. We do not have that kind of power. We do not have that kind of capacity. We actually need the spirit of God to change lives. So if we're gonna go out and make an impact for God, we need to have an encounter with God, encounter before impact. Now, this is a thoroughly biblical principle. 
When you read through the pages of scripture and you find the great stories of the men and women of God who have made an impact for him in their day and in their time, it was always rooted in an encounter. The encounter always came before impact. Take Saul or Paul as an example. Saul is actually on a journey going the wrong way. In Acts chapter 7, Saul finds himself overseeing and supervising the stoning of Stephen, one of the very first martyrs of the early church. And he's overseeing it with pleasure. They are killing this man of God and Saul is happy about it. You get to Acts chapter 9 and verse 1 and then you read about Paul's At that time, his name was still Saul. This is what it says. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath, and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So understand the heart of this man. He he is a person who has seen these Christ followers who are following Jesus, teaching the ways of Jesus, and, and he he he's taking it on as a personal mission to basically eliminate them. Like he wants to go to war against the Christ followers, and that's what he's doing. And Stephen is killed, and he is filled with pleasure that he's knocked another one off. And then he goes to the the leaders and says, can you give me permission? I want to go hunt some more Christ followers down and take them out too. He's got a taste of it and he wants to kill more of the Lord's followers. And when you keep reading in Acts chapter 9, what you see in verse 3 is that he has an encounter with God. He's going the wrong direction. He wants to kill the Lord's followers. And then the next thing that we discover is that he's approaching Damascus on this mission to kill the Lord's followers. And the light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, if I'm the Lord, if, I mean, if I were writing this story, I mean, Saul is gone. Like, there is no redemption, salvation, turn him around, send him in a new direction. I just want him gone. He is killing my people if I'm God. But when God looks at Saul, he sees a man who has this zeal and passion. And he says, I could just turn him around and send him in a new direction. There is no telling what this man could accomplish for my name. And so God appears to Saul on the road to Damascus and this encounter with God literally changes everything about Saul, including his name. God takes his name Saul and changes it to Paul and he raises Paul up to be this missionary for God. The same God whose movement he was trying to destroy, God now takes him and through this encounter changes everything about his life and sends him in a new direction to stand before kings 
to represent him to the Gentiles and to proclaim to Israel as well that God is God and that there is salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. And what we know about this man who started with an eagerness to kill the followers of Jesus has now become a missionary and church planter who took the gospel throughout the known world and ended up writing more than half of the New Testament. You see, Saul, who became Paul, had an impact for God. But where was it rooted? It was rooted in an encounter with God. Now, there are two things I want to just say real quick here. One is, some of you are going the wrong way today. You might be here because someone made you come. And you're here, but you don't really want anything to do with this. You might even be opposed to it. Or you might be watching online because somebody made you watch with them. And you're going the wrong direction today. I just want you to know an encounter with God could change everything about your life. An encounter with God could change everything about your life. And God might actually want to use you for his glory and honor and it just takes an encounter. The second thing I want to say right here is that some of you know people in your life who are going the wrong direction, and you maybe have actually given up on hope for them. You've said they're too far gone, they're too opposed, they're too shut off, they're not interested in the gospel, and I want to just encourage you, if God can take Saul and turn him around and use him for his glory, there is not a person you know that God cannot turn around. Keep praying, keep believing, keep hoping because an encounter with God changes everything. I think not just about Saul and Paul, but I think about Moses. You might know the story of Moses, right? He's rescued as a baby out of, the, out of the river and raised by Pharaoh's daughter, protected from the killing of all of the babies in the land of Egypt at that time. And Moses grows up and then he ends up killing an Egyptian and he ends up going into exile. He finds himself out in the wilderness and, and he's kind of living there, separated from his call, but he's, he's got this set of responsibilities. He is now tending the flocks of his father-in-law. And we find his story in Exodus chapter three where Moses is going through the routines of his day and he's, he's being faithful. He's tending the flocks. That's what he's supposed to do, right? Except in the middle of this, there is a strange sight that catches his eye. There is a bush that is burning, but it is not consumed. And Moses actually says, this is strange. I should go see this. And it's in this moment that Moses walks into a, a place that becomes a sanctuary where he encounters God. Right? He goes to the bush that's burning and it's not consumed. He wants to see this strange sight. And when he gets to the bush, God speaks to him. 
And this conversation that he has with God, this encounter that he has with God really returns Moses to his ultimate calling, which is to go back to Egypt and lead God's people out of captivity and into the promised land. You see, Moses was fulfilling his daily responsibilities. He was being faithful, but in the midst of fulfilling the mundane responsibilities of his life, he needed to turn aside to have an encounter with God. And it was the encounter with God that raised Moses up to be a deliverer for God's people. Some of you need to hear Moses' story today because you are so wrapped up in the busyness and the routines and the, the, the responsibilities of life that there are moments and times when God is trying to get your attention. He might even be doing it in a spectacular way, saying, hey, I'm over here. Pay attention. But we might be too unaware just so wrapped up in what we're doing that we just aren't even aware that that's spectacular or that that's God and he's trying to get our attention. And so we just keep going. We just keep motoring on and we miss the encounter with God that could open up our calling. We might be unaware that God's trying to get our attention or even worse, we might be aware but just too busy. Just like, yeah, yeah, God, I know, but I got stuff to do. I got to get this thing done. And God might be over here on the side saying, you don't even know what I'm asking you to do. And we are, we are living out our lives and missing out on the life God has for us because we are either unaware or we are too busy. Either way, we need to, to take a lesson from Moses and we need to turn aside because we can never make an impact for God until we have an encounter with God. Encounter always comes before impact. I think about Isaiah in Isaiah 6, and I've already referenced this, but, but Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, you may or may not be aware of this, but when a king dies, man, it creates upheaval in the kingdom. Who's going to be the next king? How is the next king going to rule? How are things going to go? This is a time of upheaval. It's a time of chaos. It's a time of uncertainty. It's a time of, of political change in the middle of a nation. And what Isaiah experiences in this moment is that when the king dies, Isaiah is reminded who the real king is. Isaiah's king has died but the real king is still on the throne and he's never gonna die. There's never a change in power in the kingdom of God. There's never a succession plan. And this is what Isaiah experiences in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord. He had an encounter with God. And he says the train of his robe filled the temple. I mean, there wasn't even room for people because God was so big and so awesome and so mighty and so powerful that he filled the temple. 
Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. He was seated on the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple and there were angels around him, seraphim, and their only job from morning till night and then the next day and the next day, 24-7 for all of eternity is to just simply be around the throne and they've got one message and one message only. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. And when they finished singing it, they would sing it again. And when they finished singing it, they would sing it again. Why? Because this is God. And he's worthy and he's holy and he's, he's glorious and he's powerful and he's majestic. And the angels worship him and Isaiah sees this. He saw the Lord and the train of his robe filled the temple and the angels were giving him glory and honor and worship. And it was this wonderful sight. And then Isaiah, after seeing the Lord, sees himself. And he's like, I'm in trouble now. Because I'm not that. See, when you see God, you begin to see yourself. And we need to see ourselves in this world right now. Church of Jesus Christ, we need to see ourselves in light of the holiness of God once again. Because I'll just be honest with you, I think the church, particularly in North America, we have just, we are making God in our own image. Whatever we think we would want or what would make us happy, we're making God in that image and that's not the way it works. We need to see him in his holiness so we can see ourselves in our sinfulness. Listen, we are like Isaiah. We are people of filthy lips and we live among people of filthy lips and we are doomed that's what Isaiah says. Like, I, I'm not going to make it out of this vision. Because when, when our sinfulness encounters the holiness of God, we are in trouble. Except that that cry from Isaiah, and we're going to talk more about this next week, that cry from Isaiah doesn't, doesn't result in his death. It doesn't result in his destruction. It actually opens a door for God's grace. So Isaiah saw the Lord and that opened the door for him to be sanctified by the Lord. God sends an angel to touch Isaiah right at his point of need, touches his lips, makes him clean, tones for his guilt, washes his sins away. And then Isaiah, the one who saw the Lord, the one who's been sanctified by the Lord, he's actually sent by the Lord because when God touched his lips, God opened his ears. And when his ears were opened, he heard the conversation that God is always having. And here's the conversation God is always having. Who will go for us? And who can we send? Because he is a sending God. This is his nature. We don't send missionaries because we thought that'd be a good idea. We send missionaries because God is a missionary God. He is a sending God. When you get quiet and you listen to what God is saying, he is always having the same conversation. Who will go for us and who can we send? And Isaiah hears that and he says, you can send me. Encounter before impact. Impact. 
Isaiah goes out, becomes one of the most prolific prophets in the Old Testament, and, and God uses him as a mouthpiece to speak his message. I got one more story for you. This one comes from the book of Acts. It's the early church. Jesus is crucified, he's buried, and then on the third day he's raised again. And when we read about the early church in John chapter 20, what we find is that they go into a room and they lock the door because they think they're next. I mean, Jesus was crucified and they all were scattered, right? We give Peter a hard time, but Peter hung on more, longer than anybody else. At least he was there to deny the Lord. The others were just gone, right? So they assume that they're gonna be hunted down like Jesus and they're gonna be crucified as well. So they are in this room meeting together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. That's what the text says. And then the resurrected Jesus just is there. He just shows up. And they're afraid, which is why he says, peace. Like, it's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. Peace be with you. Right? And then he begins to have this conversation with them. What we know by the time we get to Acts chapter 1 is that these kind of appearances of Jesus with his disciples, they actually happened over a 40-day period of time following Jesus' resurrection and before the day of Pentecost. He shows up and he does two things. He gives them many convincing proofs that he's alive because that's kind of important, right? I mean... This is not like a normal thing, like, oh yeah, Jesus is one of those who's been raised from the dead. This was like the first time, and he needed to remind them, no, like, I'm real, like, touch the scars, real physical flesh here, I'm alive, I'm not a ghost, I'm here in your presence, and he does this over 40 days, and while he's giving them many convincing proofs he's alive, he talked to them about the most important teaching that he had given them while he was alive. He talked about the kingdom of God. I'm alive, and the kingdom of God is here. And then it's time for him to go away. He's getting ready to ascend back to his father, and he says to them, guys, I need you to go to Jerusalem. I need you to wait for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna need the Holy Spirit. I find this to be fascinating and really, really important. As you think about the disciples, they've been with Jesus for three whole years. They've watched him teach, heal, cast out demons. I mean, they've lived with him. They know everything there is to know about him because they've watched him. After his resurrection, they've spent 40 days knowing that he is now alive and understanding even more the teachings about the kingdom of God. They seem to have everything they need, except Jesus says, no, no, you actually need something else. You're gonna need the Holy Spirit. So I need you to go to Jerusalem and I need you to wait. A few verses later in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, but you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're gonna take my message and you're gonna share that with everyone because we need the message to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and even to the ends 
of the earth. We're gonna need this message to go from here to everywhere because we need everyone to know about this message. And guys, you can't do that in your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit if you're gonna go and do that. And so they go to Jerusalem because remember Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait. And, and they wait, not just for like 10 minutes, not even for 10 hours, but they wait approximately 10 days because Jesus was with them for about 40 days, but there was another 10 days before the day of Pentecost would arrive in Acts chapter two. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time waiting 10 seconds. Right, like when someone says, let's wait on the Lord, if it's quiet for like 30 seconds, like, okay, like, what's next? And that's part of our problem. Because we don't know how to wait on the Lord because I don't think we really understand how important an encounter with God is in making an impact for God. I don't think we understand that importance and, and sometimes I wonder if we really care to make an impact for God. Like as long as our life is comfortable and, and fun and, and we feel okay about our lives, like that's enough. Except what if we really believed that God put us here to make an impact for him and what if we came to understand that you can't make the impact God wants you to make without an encounter with God? Because if we understood those two things, that our purpose is to make an impact for God in this world and that we cannot do it without an encounter with God, then we would wait as long as we had to. And we would beg and plead with God to pour out his Holy Spirit on us once again. The disciples took Jesus at his word. They went to Jerusalem and they waited, not for 10 seconds or 10 hours, but for about 10 days. And then we get to Acts chapter two and we read these words. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. They waited and they encountered God and what happened next? Peter stands up and he preaches the first message of the early church. And when he preached that message, they were cut to the heart and they believed. And we get to verse 41 and this is what it says. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and they were added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Encounter before impact. I bring us back to what I said at the very beginning. If we want to make an impact for God, we need a fresh encounter with God. I've asked the team to sing a song. It really is a prayer more than it is a song. But it is a prayer for the fresh wind of God's spirit 
to blow. For the fragrance of heaven to settle down on this body of believers. And for the spirit of God to be poured out on us again. Because I believe God has called Lakeview Church in this day and in this time to make an impact for God. I believe that is our purpose, not just here in Marion and Grant County, but literally around the world. And not for our name, not for our cause, not for our glory, but for the glory and honor of our God. But we cannot make the impact God has for us to make until we have an encounter with God. And we need a modern day Pentecost. We need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are here and you're believers and you don't even know what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And I want to just encourage you, just ask the Lord to fill you with his Spirit. Even good, even bad fathers know how to give good gifts to their kids. Right? Who, what father, if you asked for a loaf of bread, would give you a stone? No father would do that. So how much more? If you ask the Father to give you the Holy Spirit, why would he withhold, withhold that from you? He won't. Just ask him to fill you. Some of you have been walking with the Lord a long time and you know what Pentecost means for you because you can look back and say, that was the day, that was the moment, that was the time where the Spirit of God filled me. But you need to be filled again. Listen, we need an encounter with God. So we're going to, pray this song over our church this morning. And as we do, the altars are open. You can come and kneel. You can stand. You can walk around. Whatever you want to do, can we just wait on God? Can we just wait on God and ask him to give us a fresh encounter? So let's seek him this morning.